All right, good morning. Great to see you guys. Uh, if we've never met, my name is Jay, and I'm a part of the team here. Really, really glad you're here. I know we've got folks watching online as well. Thank you for joining us. So good to be in the room with all of you on this Memorial Day weekend. And um, I know that, you know, Memorial Day, uh, typically sort of for the general masses, we think of it just kind of as a long weekend. And we take, you know, we take, take um, advantage of that and go on trips or whatever. But as Les just led us through this prayer a moment ago, Memorial Day uh, weekend is actually a time to remember. It's a significant time to remember. Uh, it's a time to remember tomorrow being Memorial Day. It's a time to remember that um, the freedoms we experience in our country, the many civil liberties that we hold so dear and take for granted, to be honest with you, um, they, they are costly. It doesn't just happen. There are men and women in our nation's history who made the ultimate sacrifice, gave their lives so that you and I could sit in this room and worship without threat of violence or imprisonment, which is true in, other, in certain parts of the world, right? And so however you feel about the division in our nation, and I know it's a tricky time and it's hard and challenging and all those things, the reality is Memorial Day weekend is not just a long weekend to go take a trip and, you know, don't have to work Monday. It's a time of the year when we can um, think about the past, the sacrifices that have been made, so that it infuses us in the present with a sort of gratitude and perspective. And I think this is important for us beyond just Memorial Day. I begin there today because if you were with us last weekend, you know that we started a brand new teaching series called Idols and Songs. And if you were with us last Sunday, and it's okay if you weren't, but last Sunday we talked about this ancient story about the Israelites. And some of you know the Exodus story when God rescues the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and he parts the Red Sea so that um, Pharaoh's army is chasing after them. God parts the Red Sea and the Israelites cross on dry land and God rescues them in this incredible, miraculous way. And last week, what we talked about was the fact that just a single year after that incredible rescue, the Israelites forget. They forget that God had rescued them. And we have this incredible scene in Exodus 32 where they build a golden calf, this false God, and they worship that false God. And they say things like, here is our God who led us out of Egypt. They forget that it was the one true God who had rescued them. And what we said last week is that forgetting is one of the pathways to idolatry. That when we forget God's faithfulness throughout history, the history of his people and our own personal histories, when we forget, we are on the path to idolatry, to worshiping false gods, believing that something or someone other than God might rescue us and lead us home. And today we want to explore just the flip side of that. If forgetting is the path to idolatry, then all the more important that we remember. So today, uh, a few thoughts on memory. But to get us there, I wanna ask a question that I think most of us in the room and most of us watching will be able to relate to. You guys ever have that experience where you're listening to the radio or your Spotify playlist or you're at the grocery store or the coffee shop and a song comes on and it's a song you haven't heard in a while 
But the moment you hear the, just the opening notes of this song, you ever have that experience where you are immediately taken back to a particular moment in time? Like you can see the scene, you can smell the smells because you hear a very specific song. Anybody ever have that experience? Just raise your hand high. Yeah, a bunch of you. Okay, any of you who raised your hands, um, do you have a particular song that does that for you? Raise your hand, like a song you can think of right now. Okay, do any of you who can think of a particular song where it evokes these strong memories, are, um, raise your hand if that song is appropriate to play in a room like this at church. Okay, a few of you. Okay, how many of you who are raising your hands right now would be willing to join me up here and just share your song? Anybody? Anybody willing to share your song? Okay, back there, come on up. Please give her a hand as she comes on up. Okay, I'm gonna give you a mic here. Share with everybody, I know you, but share with everybody your name and maybe you know how long you've been around Westgate. So Marina Lemus is my name, and I think we've been here eight years. I know, I'm looking to my husband for validation, somewhere around eight years. <laughs> Craig says 10, but that's okay. <laughs> Either way, long time. Okay, Marina. Um, I've got Mark back there at the Spotify playlist, okay. and we are all collectively going to enjoy your song. So don't tell us the story yet, but what is the song that evokes these emotions for you? 1999 by Prince. 1999 by Prince. Mark, let's give it uh, the first 10, 15 seconds. Here, here he, just give it a minute. Mark is not a professional DJ. <laughs> Takes a little bit. Don't worry. I won't. Yes. Keep it going. Let's turn it up a little bit. Let's turn it up a little bit. Marina's really feeling it. Let's go for it. Have your moment. Join in if you'd like to. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Now, Marina, tell us um, the, the story, the imagery, the scene. Set the scene. What comes to mind when you hear that song? I was in 11th grade, high school, and it was after a basketball game in December, and my mom said that I could go to a party my first party after I turned 16. Okay. And I had just turned 16 in October. Uh huh. So after this basketball game, there was going to be a party. Okay. And it's December. I said, Mom, I get to go to a party, right? I'm 16. There's a party after the basketball game. And she said, Well, how are you going to get there? And my boyfriend at the time was so desperate for me to go to a party, he found me a ride mm -hmm. with a friend of his. So he said, Oh, you know, um, Herman, we'll take you. And so he's got a car. He, he will take you to the party at, to, from the basketball game, and he lives near you. He's going to take you home after the party. <laughs> he was so desperate to get me to yeah. this party. So I said, Mom, it's all taken care of. Sean got me a ride. I'm going to go with Herman. He lives near us. He's going to take me home. And so in the car with Herman from the basketball game to the party, this song came on. <laughs> and, I, and I said, this is my year. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Please give it up for Marina, everybody. Thank you so much. Amazing, you guys. Like what detail? Sean and Herman and a car and a party and a basketball game. And it was December, right? Like incredible. 
just 15 seconds of a Prince song and an entire story, right, comes flooding back. What is that? What is that? Music evokes memory in a way that is utterly unique. The reason I mentioned this as we began a little deep dive into the importance of remembering is because in the scriptures, memory is connected to music. Memory is connected to songs. And this is intentional. My son, who turns three this summer, can't read, can't write, but just yesterday, he and I were doing what? We were singing the ABCs. He's like, he's got it down. You know what I mean? And he doesn't quite understand the, the importance of these letters just yet. He can't, again, he can't read, he can't spell just yet. But why, why do we sing? Why do we sing the alphabet? Why do we teach our children first to sing the letters? Because it is in singing the letters that the letters become embedded in their, in their psyche. And these letters are the building blocks for language and ideas. This is why we begin with singing when it comes to little kids. And it's why the scriptures point us to songs time and time again. It's why we sing when we gather in this room. We do not sing because we got to fill up the hour and 15 minutes of the church service, so we've got to throw five, six songs in there. We sing to embed the truths of God in our memories because as we explored last week, we are a forgetful people. In fact, last week, again, we talked about how just a year after God had rescued the Israelites across the Red Sea, they forget his faithfulness and they worship this false God, this false idol. What I want to do today is rewind one year to the moment, the immediate moment after God has rescued the people. And I want to read for you Exodus chapter 15. This chapter is often called the Song of the Sea. Why? Because right after God rescues his people by parting the Red Sea, you know what the Israelites do? They could have done any number of things, but what do the Israelites choose to do after God rescues them across the sea? They choose to sing. Why? They sing to remember. Let me read for you the song. This is Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of them, they sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea, and the enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils. 
I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized by trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Wow. These words don't read like the classic lyrics of a pop song, do they? The words just read like a story. And in fact, in the original language, in Hebrew, it still reads that way. These words don't read like, for example, the words in Psalms. Like when you read a Psalm, the, those words read like song. They are lyrical. There's a cadence and a rhythm. There's a particular poetry to them. But these words, even in the original language, don't read that way. Even in the original language, these words read like this, just like a long story, a long narrative. And yet the people of Israel, after God parts the Red Sea and rescues them, what do they do? They take the story they have just experienced and they set it to music. They sing. And why do they do this? They do it because they understand that they are on the beginning stages, in the beginning stages of a journey. At this point, they do not yet know how long the journey will be, but they assume that it will be a long journey through the wilderness. And what the people of Israel know is that any journey through any wilderness is fraught with anxiety and fear and uncertainty. The Israelites do not know what is ahead of them, but because they know it will require faith and conviction and confidence in God to traverse the wilderness ahead, they sing a song of that which God has done in order to remember that which God has done so that remembering the memory might become fuel for faith into the future. This is why they remember. This is why they set the story to song, to music. This is why you and I sing today. Because though we do not know what is to come tomorrow, we know what God has done in the days leading up to now. And though there is a wilderness before us that is uncertain, we know with certainty who God is and what he does as we look back. And so we sing to remember. 
Now, a bit about memory. Let's just talk about memory for a second. Again, last Sunday, if you were here, we talked about forgetfulness. And essentially what we said was humans are by nature forgetful. I want to wade into the complex waters of memory just for a moment because um, it makes all the sense in the world why we forget. Memory is extremely complex. Memory is a function of your brain. I think most of us know this. I'm going to pretend to be a neuroscientist for the next five minutes, even though I am not, and uh, just humor me, okay? <laughs> memory is a function of the, of the brain, and your brain in particular has about 100 billion uh, neurons, okay? I don't even know what 100 billion is. That's what the number looks like. Your brain inside your head holds 100 billion neurons, now, neurons are these tiny receptors of information and data. If you were to look at a neuron under a high-powered microscope, it would look something like a tree with a bunch of branches um, on one end. Now, if your neuron were a tree, then the base of the tree is something called the axon, and all of the various branches of the tree are something called dendrites. And the way your brain processes information is when you learn something new or have a new experience, the information or the experience or the data goes into your brain. It goes from the axon, the base of the tree, and it moves in the form of chemical and electrical signals at 200 miles an hour up the base of the tree to the various dendrites. And each neuron has up to 100,000 dendrites on each end. And the information goes to the end of one particular dendrite. You don't have to remember any of this. It's just to paint the complexity of your brain. It goes to one particular dendrite, and then it jumps what is called the synapse. The synapse is the space between one neuron and another neuron. The information jumps from one of 100,000 dendrites to another neuron where it takes another 200 mile an hour journey from an axon to further dendrites. There are so many dendrites at the end of each of your neurons that any single bit of information, experience, or data has up to 1 million billion potential options in terms of which direction it can go. I, again, I don't even know what 1 million billion is, but that's what the number looks like. So any single bit of information or any single experience in your life has that many variety of options in which where it can go in your brain. Okay, you don't have to remember any of that other than to remember this. Your brain is a wildly complex web of information. There is so much happening in there that it is a mystery that we remember anything at all. And do not ever let anyone tell you that the words of the psalmist are untrue, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And think about the God who created you with all of that inside of your cranium. Incredible. Now, all of that to say, the brain is like beyond complex, right? Again, it is a miracle that we remember anything at all. It makes so much sense why we are so forgetful. It makes so much sense why so very few things embed themselves in our long-term memory. 
But recent research in brain science and neuroscience has revealed something really powerful about music. Because of its cadence and because of its rhythm and because of the unique sort of ways in which certain notes placed together can evoke particular emotions, music has a way of uncluttering the complexity of our minds to extract and pull very particular memories. This is why Marina can hear a Prince song and immediately in a moment tell us detail after detail about going to her first party when she was 16. This is why when I hear, and it's a song we couldn't play in this room, this is why when I hear Biggie Smalls, I think about when Jenny and I got married and the non-radio edit played and I had a bunch of pastor friends on the dance floor and I was like, oh no, this is really bad. I can remember the feelings of that, of that moment. That was my DJ's fault. <laughs> this is why. Because music in a powerful and unique way can unclutter the jumbled, complex web of ideas and memories and sub-memories inside of us to extract critically important truths. This is why when the Israelites cross the Red Sea, they sing. Because this is a truth they need to remember. Not as a nostalgic stroll down memory lane, but as a way to fuel their faith into the future. Dr. Anne Fabini, who is a professor and, and researcher at Harvard University, she says that listening to and performing music reactivates areas of the brain associated with memory, reasoning, speech, emotion, and reward. Music is powerful in this way. This is why church leaders throughout church history, like people like Martin Luther and John Calvin, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, wrote hymn after hymn. It's why they put the scriptures to song. Martin Luther said that he put scriptures to song to keep it alive in his people through singing. John Calvin said that he set scripture to song and to poetry to make sure that scripture would stick in the hearts of his people. John Wesley wrote hymn after hymn, and he said that he did so in order to create a body of exper experiential and practical divinity, that we might embody and experience these truths, not just know them in our heads. Listen, today, maybe like the Israelites, you find yourself facing a wilderness. Maybe you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place, like an enemy is behind you and an impossible sea is before you. Maybe you come to this room or you're watching online today and you feel like there's no way forward and there's no way out. The future, the wilderness in front of you seems impossible. And in the midst of your struggle and your pain, your anxiety and uncertainty, maybe you have forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten that our God still parts seas and subdues enemies. Maybe you have forgotten that our God doesn't lose. That our God is a God of victory. Today we sing because we forget. And we need to remember. Glenn Packiam puts it this way. He says that Christians don't sing simply because we're happy. Uh, we sing because we are a people of hope. 
In the face of fear, in the shadow of death, in the midst of suffering and pain, we stand tall. We are shaken but not moved, pressed but not crushed, down but never out. Christians are those who believe that because Jesus was raised from the dead, the worst day will not be the last day. So we sing. And we welcome you to sing along. This is why we sing. This is why week after week, as we gather, we sing. And this is not some sort of ploy or guilt trip to get you to sing a particular way. Some of you are highly expressive and you belt it out at the top of your lungs. Some of us just need to sit, quietly listen and let the words wash over us. All of that and everything in between is okay. But the reason there is so much music in the gathered people of God, our experience of worship together, is not because singing is a nice thing to do. It's not because we have talented musicians. It's not because, well, we need to fill 30 minutes of the service. We sing to remember because we are so forgetful. We sing to remember that the weapons formed against us won't prosper. We sing to remember that darkness will not prevail. We sing to remember because the God we serve only knows triumph. We sing to remember that God will never fail and that victory has come and is coming again. Amen? Let's sing that together. Why don't you guys go ahead and join us in standing for the song. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Oh my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory
a seat for a moment. We're going to continue singing here, um, but just a few concluding thoughts. Uh, I, I um, Like three minutes ago, before we just sang this song, I spoke the words of that first verse, but none of you remember. <laughs> Why would you? I don't, I don't even remember unless I'd seen it in my notes here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember. But that, Singing it together does something totally different, does it not? We sing because singing embeds truths in our hearts and minds that just words alone could never do. We sing because sometimes it's not enough to just speak it. We sing because more than just intellectually knowing it, in some strange, miraculous way, singing allows us to experience and embody the truth. And when you face wildernesses in your life, when you are met at an impossible sea that you cannot cross or a tall mountain you cannot climb or a deep, dark valley you are afraid to traverse, Knowing it in our heads is not enough. We need these truths to be embedded and embodied in us. 
We need to be able to look out into the unknown before us. And though it is uncertain and unclear, we need to have the clarity, the 2020 hindsight of all that God has done in order to fuel us with faith, with courage and conviction and confidence to follow him into the unknown future. This is why we sing. Not as a nostalgic stroll down memory lane, but as a means of changing everything about the present and the future. One theologian, he puts it this way, that remembrance is an understanding of the reality of the past in such a way that the events of the past become a force in the present, producing some activity of will or body or both. This is why the writer Paul in Colossians 3, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. This language and the original language is the thought that the ideas you have about Christ may seep deeply into your body and bones. To not just know it, but to embody it and experience it. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude. Again, we sing to remember, but not to remember as a nostalgic stroll down memory lane. We sing in order to remember because remembering is the fuel for faith propelling us into the future. When the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea, a year later, they forget that it was God who led them across the sea. And the real tragedy of that story is that they had done exactly what they needed to do to not forget. When they had crossed the Red Sea, they had sung a song together. This is one of the reasons why as the church, we don't just gather once and sing a few songs and never see one another again. This is why, and you know this from your own experience, this is why after six long days of life and heartbreak and heartache, we gather again and again and again to listen and to learn, to connect and to sing. Because we need these reminders over and over. The Israelites sang in the wilderness, not as a mental recollection of that which had just happened. They sang in order to remember the story of God's faithfulness so that it might fuel their faith for the journey ahead. This is why you and I sing today in the various wildernesses of our lives. We sing to remember all that God has done throughout the history of his people, throughout our church's history, and through your own story, all that God has done. These are not just mental recollections that live in the past. They become the fuel for faith into the future. Do not ever believe that that which has happened is done and gone. No, that which God has done in your life is a, a reminder that the way God has moved to, brought you to, to bring you to this moment is the same way he will move to traverse you and guide you through all that is before you. 
This is so critically important because listen, I understand that in a room this size with this many people, with all the people watching online, we all face all sorts of challenges before us. Maybe for you, there is a wilderness before you and it seems barren and hopeless. We sing to remember that God has made a way through wildernesses before. Maybe there is an impossible sea before you and an enemy behind you and you feel like there is no way out. There is nowhere to go. The situation, the circumstance is impossible. I am stuck. We sing to remember that God has made a way through impossible seas before. Maybe there is a mountain before you, a financial challenge or a relational challenge or an emotional challenge and the mountain is far too high and is far too steep and you feel like there is no way you can climb to the top and get to the other side. We sing to remember that God has made ways through mountains before. Maybe there is a deep, dark valley before you, a valley full of pain and hurt and depression and anxiety, the stuff that is bottled up in here that nobody knows, that you are too embarrassed to share. There's so much shame, so much guilt, and you feel isolated and alone, like you're gonna stand on that plateau and go nowhere, paralyzed by the darkness of the valley. We sing with you to remember with you and to remind you that God has made ways through valleys before. We sing to remember that God has always made a way and he will make a way here and now in the present and on into your future. And if you do not have the energy or the strength or the conviction or the confidence to sing those words, this is why the church matters. Because you open your heart and mind and allow your brothers and sisters to sing for you. If you are broken and weak and failing and flawed and you feel at a loss and you don't have the strength to sing, then let this body come alongside you and sing for you. This is why we sing. We sing to remember that God has always made a way and he will always make a way. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together.